Welcome to the Road Pod and MedTech Monday. Sorry about this. I know it's Wednesday, but Monday was spent dealing with moving boats, and so was Tuesday morning, and then the power got funky Tuesday afternoon and Tuesday night here. So my apologies, I live on an island. Anyway, here we go, MedTech Monday, thanks. for tuning in to another episode of MedTech Monday. I'm Danielle Sturm, your co-host and marketing and communications manager at the New England Medical Innovation Center, also known as NEMIC. And I'm here with my co-host, Tom Chiginski. Today, we're going to be speaking with our guest, Pete Lucas, founder and president of Practice Marketing and Communications based right here in Rhode Island. Pete focuses on helping healthcare startups, organizations, physicians, um, really anyone in the healthcare space market their services, which we'll find out more about um, later in this episode from Pete himself. Pete and I met after he rented an office um, at Nemec with his colleague, Chris, I think around eight to nine months ago. And I'm going to plug here real quick before we get started to let our listeners know that we do have open offices for rent at Nemec um, for anywhere from one to five people. Um, so if you're looking to, you know, get out of the house and not work a- in your house anymore through COVID, um, we do have an office space that is open and it is not as large as some of the other office spaces in Providence. So you won't have as much, you know, face-to-face contact with other people, if that's what you're looking for, um, please reach out to me and you can do that through our website or my LinkedIn. So let's get started. Pete, thank you so much for coming on today and joining us. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Do you want to tell, just to get started, um, our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background um, in marketing and TV before we really get into practice marketing? Sure, absolutely. I'll give you a little plug as well, Danielle. We, Chris and I rented an office early on and liked it so much, we've expanded. So we have more room here and uh, we really love it in Nemec. So that's my little plug for you all. And uh, <laughs> Thank you. Great to work with. And then we've had a lot of synergy here as well. Uh, so we've met some fantastic people, um, friends, as well as um, colleagues that we've begun to work with. Uh, but a little, little background, I started my career in television, television news and sports as a journalist and uh, worked in television uh, from college, graduating in 98, all the way up to uh, 2008, so about 10 years. I loved it, loved telling stories, uh, but I got to a point where I was ready to move on and take my experience and some of the things I learned and uh, go into the world of of media buying and sales. So I had the background in news and, and journalism along with media sales, and it was a great combination uh, for for a number of years, which helped me grow, uh, I think, into a, a more of a, uh, an account leader and, and someone that could really help run a business from a marketing standpoint. And uh, I, I left media sales, got into the agency world, and by agency, I mean marketing and communications, and worked for a company in Rhode Island for about four years before founding my own company in uh, January of 2019, and primarily with a focus on healthcare. Awesome. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that company? Sure. So it's Practice Marketing and Communications or Practice Marcom. We're based out of Rhode Island. Uh, We are full-scale marketing, uh, meaning public relations, media buying, social media management. Uh, We do everything from graphic design to video production. Um, And we work with many of the large private practices here in uh, around Providence and Southern New England, but also have clients uh, throughout New England have worked in um, out in the Midwest, down South uh, in Florida. And um, really the way the world is now digitally, we can 
work with um, clients anywhere. Awesome. Especially with, with COVID pushing everyone to go oh. digitally, right? <laughs> right. It, it's kind of sped things up. You know, we just before we jumped on this call, Tom was talking about uh, Amazon and how things have moved quickly. And I think, you know, from a healthcare standpoint, telemedicine is something that really fast forwarded within, you know, a few days of uh, it been in development for years. And all of a sudden, a few days here in Rhode Island, we saw the governor flip the switch. And once uh, payers could uh, reimburse for it, we saw companies adjust very quickly. Awesome. So I think it would be good to talk about a little bit of um, the projects and clients you work with um, so people can get really a, a full view of kind of the work you do. And we can start with uh, Mockingbird and my mock, um, who some of our listeners probably know. Um, Brad Artery is the CEO, and he's been a guest on our podcast in the past. And Pete actually introduced us to Brad um, and we began working together. So that's just some of the things that happen at Nemec is kind of that organic connections and meeting people in the industry and, you know, partnering and working with a, a lot of people just from coming and renting an office or coming and co-working with us. So Pete, do you want to tell us about what you worked on with Mockingbird? And we, I think, talked with Brad a couple months ago and maybe give us a little update on where you are now. Sure. And definitely a only in Rhode Island story. I had met, had, had, I met Brad through a friend who knew I was in healthcare and they were a startup. Uh, I said to Brad, why don't we meet down at my new office at Nimic? And he said, well, I actually have a meeting this week in Nimic. So on the same day we got together and, you know, the, the synergy kind of started there. They were very early on. They had just developed, I think, a sort of a mission statement and a logo and, and, some sort of brand identity, but hadn't really done anything. So we were able to get in really from the ground up to create a PR presence, um, digital marketing campaign, social media, and have taken that story, a great story that came out of Rhode Island, a, a surgeon here along with a surgeon in New York that met at Yale. And I won't go back through the story, but telling a great story, uh, which you know is really what um, I, I enjoy doing as journalists and, and do now, and uh, put that together in a press release and videos got it out there. And um, as the company launched and got some traction, we were able to take the story and, and get it picked up with, with local news outlets, uh, with regional news outlets, national publications, uh, and organically through PR, got some really good coverage. Since then, we've launched in, in Rhode Island and Connecticut and uh, New York, Connecticut, New York, really over the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's been a really, really fun client to work with, one from the, the ground up. And um, as you know, from, from your side, they're fundraising and uh, we get to see this growth happen really quickly. And, and even amid COVID, um, they're getting out digitally with this platform to providers and providing a service that really more than ever, I think, is of great value because you won't be having these conferences anymore where physicians or providers would typically go to get credits. So uh, it's really, it's timely in a, in a good way. And uh, we hope this continues to grow. It's it, it's it's interesting that will parallel e-learning for physicians will parallel telehealth this time. Right, right. It's all happening at the same time, and gosh, uh, hyperspeed. All these things have have really happened quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question regarding marketing for healthcare. You mentioned, I think, in our one of our that you look at areas for physicians. What's the density of other of other practitioners in their same space and everything like that. You know, it's 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 sort of like the antithesis in in a lot of way. You know, you're setting up a business for health, but 
most people don't think of that. You know, most people don't think that a physician looks at an area just like a business would. And how do you do that? Yeah, Tom, that's a great question. And that I learned kind of about this way of looking at things through, through Chris and Practice Advisors 360, who also work here at Nemec. And they've taken that approach for a number of years, looking at the demographics and mm -hmm. the geographic, the, the makeup in a certain area. You know, they may look to uh, Portland, Maine and say, okay, here's a population of this size. Currently, there are this many um, dermatologists. In a typical uh, audience size like this, you should have 10 and maybe they have seven. So they, they rate these on a scale of what area is good. And, and they have you know, all the, the tools, the bells and whistles that can show these color graphs and, and numbers. They, they handle all that from the ground up. So when they find a practitioner that is looking to start on their own, they can identify these great areas and say, look, just based on the population and the number of providers, here's a great area. Then on their end, they look at the location, they look for you know, a spot with good visibility, um, you know, easy access. And we come into that picture once they kind of get moving, maybe sign a lease, depending upon how far the project is along. And then we, we come in and say, look, here are things you should be thinking about from a marketing standpoint. Your name, your logo, your website, all these things are very important. Think about them now so that someone doesn't come in and grab them and scoop them up ahead of you. Could be your competition or could be somebody else out there in a different part of the country. But um, it, it doesn't cost a whole lot of money to buy a website URL, especially if it's unique. So uh, things like that, getting a website, getting a logo, getting a mission statement. Um, and then what we do is work with them. We kind of have a, a, a nice package that and timeline that tells them what they should be thinking of at certain points as they open up from um, breaking ground to a ribbon cutting, to seeing their first patient. And oftentimes we'll help them get up and on their way. And sometimes we stick with them and provide marketing services as they go. It's sort of like a whole branding package. Absolutely. And that's something people don't think about that physicians actually need that. And, you know, and as you mentioned, picking a location, it, it, there are numbers behind it. So mm -hmm. they know based on their experience around the country, that this area is a good area because of this. Um, they also, on the other end, will look at practices that are being sold or knowing that the age of uh, dentists at a certain practice are getting close to retirement. So these folks will be looking for somewhere to go within the next five to 10 years. Um, also looking at construction. We, we opened up a dental practice in Medford uh, mid-February. And uh, unfortunately, they, they, were, they shut down. But uh, they opened right back up and are, had a fantastic June. Uh, but the idea was to find an area in Medford where there are these two apartment complexes being built right within uh, the, the same, within two blocks along with a Wegman supermarket. Factoring <laughs> all these things in, you can get a majority of your patients that just walk across the parking lot to visit you. Sure, sure. And Wegman's being the only experience I have with Wegman's. I, mean, I know we're honing in on that, but... That's a very big, they have a very big footprint. They're not small. So you've got a right. lot of a lot of foot traffic nearby. Right, high end as well. Yeah. So uh, they were right on the um, Mystic Parkway up there in Medford. So high end traffic area. They, they maybe paid a little bit more for this piece of real estate, but they had signage facing the highway along with a, a nice population of, of millennials, young professionals who would be looking for that dentist, at, you know, graduating college, leaving... Yeah. You know, maybe leaving home and, and having that opportunity there. 
And when you say we, that are you talking talking about yourself but and you also have a partner chris who does the real estate side as well so it's kind of like a whole package of we'll help you you know find a place to to host your practice and then we'll help you market it, it out absolutely to see it totally um he focuses on real estate and uh they, they actually work with in financing as well so not only will they uh find the location but they have all the relationships with the banks so they handle all that, and I, I stay in my lane, stick to marketing. But but uh, there are other partners along with Chris who did this, do this all over the country. We have uh, an office in Boston as well as down in Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a lot of work out in California as well. That's awesome. So I want to explore more, kind of like the types of clients you work with, because it's not just you know companies, startups, and physicians. There recently, especially with COVID happening, um, you told me about that your work with the Brown Medical School, um, the Elbert Medical School at Brown University. What are you guys, what are you doing with them? And I think it's a pretty interesting story because it's one of the first times, you know, this has happened. Sure. So with with Life, Lifespan and, and, uh, and Brown University have about 40 fellowship and resident programs at Brown. So they range from uh, nephrology, endocrinology, orthopedics, general surgery, pretty much anything you can think of, infectious disease, you know, things that are uh, very busy right now. They ran into an issue a few months ago when they realized they couldn't have candidates come out and interview and see the campus. Um, And they were stuck in a bind. How do we set ourselves apart from the other programs out there? You know, there are a lot of great programs all over the country. So what, what do we do to to separate ourselves? And, and, and the answer, um, you know, from my standpoint was, putting a high level video together, showcasing the level of expertise, the incredible faculty, the innovation going on, but also Rhode Island, Providence, the ocean, uh, the bay, the rivers, the sailing, uh, the food, you know, the food, it's funny asking all these residents and fellows what they, you know, what the highlights were outside of the hospital. Everyone, everyone said food. So the idea with these different programs is to tell a story about how great the institution is, but also the quality of life here. So uh, the, we started this project uh, back in early June. And you know, the, for anyone who's been here in the summertime, things are in bloom. We've had great weather. So the city looks great. We've been over to the hospital, shot interviews outside and, and uh, really are putting together some high level videos that will reach people not, not only across the country, but around the world. And that's what one of the things I've noticed is I've, I've probably done 50 or 60 physician interviews over the last three weeks and talking to these people and finding out uh, what makes this such a special place. These, these people are from, from all over, from South Africa, from, uh, from India, from China. You know, it's, it's amazing the diversity and really the thought leaders in the world of healthcare that we see right here that are working on ways to, you know, on trial uh, medicines for COVID-19 uh, that are interacting with, you know, geriatrics. They're facing, uh, you know, the, the issues with the different nursing homes that they, t- they care for. So how do you change that care? Um, so it's really been, for me, an eye-opening experience and really appreciate more the, the talent that you have here, not only the young next generation fellows, but also the faculty that could go anywhere in the world and they decide to come here because it's such a special place. 
I think also our, our governors helped uh, reinforce that recently, um, given the fact that the New England area, particularly Ramondo and Charlie Baker up in Massachusetts, have so, shown such leadership. They're not Ron DeSantis. They're not uh, Texas. Uh, the lieutenant governor down there seems to be a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge case. But um, it must give a physician or a practitioner um, some some level of comfort. We're in tune with the local the local government is in tune with us um, in terms of how we have to perform in this rather fluid environment. And also, for you speak to the food and everything, but also when I leave my facility, I've got a very nice environment to relax in because that downtime is probably really important for them to recharge. I was listening to uh, a radio th this morning. Um, it was actually the BBC uh, where a physician had worked straight for 152 days, right? 152 days. That's, Incredible. that's a lot without a day off. Absolutely. And that's, it's a great point. One of the factors, especially with these fellows that are a little bit older that have been through their uh, resident program, they are now married, have kids, and they want to go to a place where they feel safe, where they maybe don't feel like they're stuck in a city. And Providence can give that big city feel, but you drive 10 minutes away and you are near the water or you're in a suburb that's very nice where you can raise a family and have a good school system. So uh, childcare was one of the key points that came up with one of the physicians that I talked with. And that was her number one thing. I want to go to a place where I can get great childcare. And I didn't even realize this. There's a um, childcare uh, right at Rhode Island Hospital. So some of these physicians can have their kids close by. You know, now more than ever, it's it's a concern with, with children. So um, this area certainly has it among all these other things. So I think the last time we caught up um, before this and we haven't been able to see each other as much was about a month ago. Do you have any updates of anything you've been working on since we last spoke? Sure. I think uh, one of the updates that happened this week, I had a call with uh, Brown Surgical Associates I work closely with. They have a big research department and they do clinical trials. And what's exciting is a lot of the, the first of its kind surgery happens right here at the Miriam Hospital or Rhode Island Hospital. We did a follow-up story on uh, NBC locally last night about a patient who flew in from Minnesota and um, had a, a one-year follow-up on a, a a, a new procedure that Dr. Leslie Roth at, at Brown and Lifespan performed. And uh, she's, she's back a year later with almost 100% recovery, kind of really changed her life. Um, and, and on the, the heels of that, we're talking about another trial coming in here that's a new device that's has not launched anywhere. The first site in the world will be right here in Rhode Island. So from a marketing standpoint, I'm talking with the device company, working with the surgeon here in Rhode Island putting the plan together so that when the, the first surgery takes place, we will let everyone know about it, follow the patient as they go, um, have a hopefully a video testimonial of, of a good story, and then something that we can take to other sites around the country. But uh, some, you know, really something that came together will come together right here. I don't want to get into too many details. It's, it's FDA approved, but it uh, it's not FDA approved yet. So it's We'll let you know in a few weeks about this, but I think uh, just one of many devices that is being developed right here that is being tested and then will hopefully get legs and, and change the way this this one procedure happens, um, you know, throughout the country and then eventually the world if, if this gets adopted. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's really great to hear and promising, especially since we work with so many entrepreneurs on our side who are going into clinical trials and, you know, trying to find working on their devices here in Rhode Island and trying to find place for the best clinical trials and to launch their product. So it's great that um, a client of yours is doing that as well as we have so many that are working with us. And I, you know, I I work with many of these and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, a Homer, hometown fan, as they say, but we always say for for many things, you can't get better care anywhere than you can right here. People look to Boston for certain things or or New York, but um, what's great is a lot of these things can only be done right here, you know, whether it's pediatric surgery um, or breast cancer surgery, things like that at Hasbro, at that lifespan hospitals, it's the care is as good, if not better than you would get anywhere else. So I'm putting on more of like an entrepreneurial hat just because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and innovators in this space. And I just want to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, how, well, first of all, I feel like marketing is something that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, have to find someone like you to help them do when they're, they're working on their startups. They know a little bit about it, but, you know, you want to bring in an expert. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how has COVID really changed some of the work you've been doing? And has that been kind of across the board with a lot of your clients or has it really changed some of that, that those marketing strategies um, individually with each of your clients? Sure. So COVID has certainly changed a lot of the face-to-face interaction or, you know, the way we market, whether it's, you know, radio listening has gone down because of people not being in the cars the last few months, but the social media has just gone through the roof and the way we reach patients through, uh, through social media or through Zoom webinars. What we've been very successful at is creating this content and promoting it, putting it out there, having patients sign up for a Zoom or uh, maybe potential patients go online, watch this content because they're not, you know, at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night where they might have been at a Little League game, they weren't. So it's a perfect opportunity to put content out there and engage with your users. So there's been a lot more opportunity. Uh, We do have uh, clients that advertise on, on TV and radio. And I mean, I, I can talk about billboards and airplanes that fly by, but I think the social media has been great. It's very, it's effective. It's very low cost. You can try it and you can pinpoint certain geographies. So we've got a really good return on some of the things we've done. Um, and, and just like this, you know, where we're, we're talking uh, to each other online, we set our own I look at it like our own news feed for for different clients, putting our own content out or our own news when we want to, and have folks consume it when they want to. So, in that way, it's been it's really been great. Um, majority of my clients are physicians, and they've never had this type of free time before. Every minute of every day has been totally booked, so they've had more opportunity to do these things, and uh, so we've capitalized on that. and And that's you know that's really been great. I think. Again, back to the telehealth and promoting that and getting out there and saying, look, if something is bothering you, it's still safe to go see a provider, whether it's a a GI doc or, um, you know, you you haven't had your colonoscopy, it got put off, whether you put off your mammogram, the messages have changed a little bit and it's become don't don't put these things off. This is down the road could be much worse than contracting the coronavirus. So, you know, we, we, 
those messages have really been across the board, whether it's been surgery, orthopedics, um, or, or GI. If something is bothering you, contact your medical professional. If you don't feel comfortable coming in, you can set up a telehealth medicine. But we, get, we all have to remember that safety with, with all these providers came way before coronavirus. Some of the, the cleanest places you would ever go were these doctor's offices. So, you know, they're, they can be some of the safest places if you're not going to, to, you know, maybe a major hospital area, emergency room where COVID patients are going in. Um, you know, there's no, no reason to be afraid of that. And, um, you know, we got to keep track of our health. So that, that's been like a major, I would say, major focus. I have a, I have a question regarding social media marketing with, with the, in the medical space. I mean, as a consumer of a broad range of media, um, one of the things I've noticed, particularly in the magazine, The New Yorker, was an ad for a drug <laughs> and then four pages of disclaimers. <laughs> after that and you know all in black and white obviously how do you how do you get around that in social media is there some aspect of of social media that you have to put a disclaimer in um and how how does that work yeah that's a tom it's a great question and anytime we do a video or a live facebook live or a zoom video that we put out there we do have a disclaimer off the top where we clearly state and we show this is for educational purposes only if you have specific questions, contact your provider or contact us. But we always make sure to state that, state that on social media. And you do want to be careful about the content that you put across or answering questions, uh, engaging with a patient that is asking questions like that. So if something specific quickly comes up, we quickly turn them to, please call the office, contact them. We don't want to get into the specifics of, you know, I've listened to webinars and, and read what I could of uh, different cases across the country where a physician will get in trouble for maybe revealing something uh, HIPAA related mm -hmm. online and, you know, arguing with a patient. And so what we'll say to a, to a provider, look, if you have a personal page, that's fine. Keep it personal. If you want to have a professional page, create a separate page that is professional. You can lock it down so you're not engaging. You have an automated response, but you want to keep those things separate. You don't want it, no matter what you believe, you don't want to get into an argument or discussion or there might be a hundred happy patients out there, but if there's one that's not happy, they can go on and blast you on social media. And, and you might not be able to remove it, might not be fair, but you have to know it's going to be out there. So um, the advice is to, to stay away from it and don't engage. I'm interested too, just because you, you know, you work with a lot of physicians and do marketing for physicians and we work with a lot of entrepreneurs trying to reach physicians. What is the best way for entrepreneurs, be it maybe they, you know, want feedback from physicians, maybe they want to sell their product to these physicians or just be, you know, have them generally know who they are. What's the best way to reach them? Is that social media? Is that cold outreach? Good question. So we've lately been doing this with Mockingbird. Their platform is designed to reach providers. And we've done a lot of branding through digital marketing. But we have expectations that that physicians aren't going to see a display ad and click on it and, and subscribe to the platform. It just it doesn't work that way. So we use digital marketing content uh, as branding. So some of the best uh, marketing would be a nice article that's written about Mockingbird. We then put out there saying Connecticut where we launched GeoTarget certain providers 
and we get a great return. We're not looking for them to sign up. We're looking for them, for them to be brand aware so that when the call does come in or they re receive something, they know about it. But it, we have to know your audience and where you are. Facebook is more like a cocktail party. Nobody wants to be sold at a cocktail party. So create content that they would be likely to consume, but not in your face. Um, you know, and honestly with physicians, the old fashioned letter, my brother-in-law is a uh, primary care physician in, in Rhode Island. And uh, within this last year, he told me one of the, the best pieces of mail he received was from another physician in the market who wrote handwritten letter that said, just wanted to introduce myself, let you know I'm, I'm taking on new patients in my specialty area. So if you have any anybody you'd like to send my way, I'd make sure I take great care of. And he said, you know, that was great. It, it, it stood, stood apart from the other uh, sort of marketing. And um, so, you know, the old fashioned, certainly a phone call is a great way if you have the time to call out and reach, uh, reach a physician. But I would say a couple points of contact too. So, so a letter and a phone call mm -hmm. from uh, my old days in sales, you know, uh, a letter first, then a follow up warmer phone call always mm -hmm. seems to work pretty well. Old, old school here. I'm going to show you this cranes. Thank you notes that I have a box of here. And I still send these out and people are always amazed. Oh, what a nice note you sent me as opposed to an email or a text. I have a, I have a, I have a comment that's, you know, when it, when a text is not enough, you know, for, <laughs> and, and the old school hand, handwritten stuff really works even from a technologist. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. sure. I don't know if you caught that story this week of the, the Brown emergency medicine physician who was doing his thesis and he sent it to Dr. Fauci to read and get feedback on back in 2007 and Dr. Fauci wrote him back a long response. He read the entire 120 page thesis. And the, the lesson in the, in the email back was, you know, I learned something from this. It was great to read. Here's my feedback, but you never stop learning. And it took off this week and went viral. Uh, the physician here in Rhode Island put the tweet out there and it was, it was a really neat story, but um, you know, reaching out personally, um, there's, there's no harm in that. And you never know what sort of, response you might get. And I will I, I, I will um, disagree with you on Facebook being a cocktail party. I think it's a food fight, but that's okay. That's just my <laughs> Well, that's, that's, my, that's, that's my, a great point. That's, that's a great point. And, and I would say that to different, you know, people always ask, what, what should I do? Should I do? Should I do Facebook? Should I do Twitter? Should I do Instagram? TikTok I'd stay away from yeah. right now. But uh, Twitter is, is, you know, very industry focused. So it's a great place to be the fellowship programs and uh, the, the programs here do a great job in reaching out to their communities. We do that as well with our medical groups. Um, Instagram, you have to know what it is. It's very, you know, a lot of pictures, yeah. um, you know, engaging with your audience with short videos, things like that. And then Facebook, you have the option to tell a longer story, to write a message. Um, I would, my advice is, stick with what you think you can maintain. Don't put something out there and leave it alone, but you have to have some sort of presence out there. Just like your website, you know, we sometimes run into folks that say, well, I'm not really that concerned about my website. My product is, is great. The thing is, if they hear about your product and go check out your website and it doesn't match the level of your product, people ask questions. You know, they say, well, why this doesn't seem to add up? Right. You know, they used to visit your office and say, hey, this is a great office. It must be a you know, a, a great company. That's kind of what the website is now. So right. you definitely want to make sure when you launch that website with your product that it, that it matches. 
And I think also, you know, responsiveness, right? As someone could be looking on their iPad, 70% of web searching this day is, you know, is uh, web viewing is done or not quite 70, 60 something percent is done on a phone or a mobile device. And you'd be amazed at how many websites are not fully responsive. And it looks like a ransom note when they come up on a phone. And how do sure. I navigate this thing? It slides off the right and everything else. That is, that is, you know, basic blocking and tackling of marketing in the 21st century. Uh, absolutely. You develop your website on your laptop, but people consume it on the phone, right? Right. So you have to look at it that way. Yeah. I have a horror story of a company I used to work for a couple of years back that I was pulled in to manage their website. They hired a developer, developed the whole website. I was hired to manage it go on my phone and it's not mobile responsive at all. They just paid for this this website and it was horrible. The, the agency they hired said, oh, you didn't, you know, you didn't pay for that package to have a mobile responsive website. And I'm like, it is 2019 at this point or whatever it was. Like, are you kidding me? It's like saying you bought so, the car, but you didn't want any tires. But it's things to think about like that. I feel like for entrepreneurs and just people, especially I mean, young people know, but like for older people that are don't, sorry, I don't want to say older people, but for people that do not know about technology and like just certain things like that of they don't think about, is it going to be more responsive? You know, you kind of just think that that's how it is. You, you don't know that people are working on it to make it like that. So that that was, it was a horrible, horrible time. <laughs> right. Now you want to almost build it mobile friendly and make sure the desktop version looks good, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that is that 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 is a key thing, and I, I think also when you get to telehealth down the road, you could see physicians connecting via a phone, right? Someone you know, there's not at home. I'm on my phone, happen to be somewhere. The the branding around that that experience, right? The 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 fluid nature of the connection with the physician, the ability to you know, okay, I'll send you this right now. Click and it shows up by a text or it shows up in an email. That type of Digital literacy, I think, was going to go a long way to helping the physician or the practitioner resonate with his client that this guy is switched on. He's not only switched on medically, but he's switched on, just, just like Fauci said, lifelong learning. He knows what experience I need to have to make me feel good, as opposed to the experience, the minimum experience that some people want to provide because that's the baseline and I'm not going to do anymore. Sure. I, there's so many benefits to telehealth that I, people uh, don't really think of. And we, and I've heard from, from the different providers, you know, there were maybe a construction worker that needed to take a day out of work to go into the office. Instead, he goes on his lunch break from his truck and he can do the appointment mm -hmm. for whatever the condition doesn't need to be seen in person. It's a series of questions and have really the, you know, the same result, but not miss a day of work. You've got, you know, you've got that. You've got folks that can tune in at night, can tune in time that, that might work for them. And then the folks that are maybe elderly, tougher to get out of the house because of their conditions. They don't need to be seen in person. They can be seen over the computer, over the phone, and not have to leave their home. You know, there's so many great benefits. Not everything, you know, if, you, if your arm's hanging off sideways um, because of an injury, you, you should go in and, and see an orthopedic professional in person. Right. But for a lot of other things, it's really, really, you know, been a savior. Right. This time. Well, not only eight, about 18 months ago, I was in the emergency room at South County hospital and at three in the morning, they wheeled in what I looked, I looked like R2D2 with a larger frame on it, which was a telehealth module with a little camera above it. And, you know, here we are 18 months later, zoom, 
on a phone. I mean, that's the, that's the rapid nature of the evolution of technology. So that's a, a way to lower cost, increase patient satisfaction. Technology is happening rapidly. That connection too, that personal connection, talking to a physician personally through a phone, I've heard from physicians say they, the patient really feels this connection, mm-hmm. might get a, a little extra time in rather than shuffling in and out and having to, to clean uh, you know, the, the exam rooms. So the, the patients, you know, some, some patients won't get off the phone. They're having such a great conversation with the provider. <laughs> and, you know, and from a PR standpoint, going electronic like this has been so easy for me to set up interviews with our experts. Since the reporters aren't going out to tell stories, can, can a, an expert be ready today at three o'clock and it's two o'clock, I contact an expert. All they need is a phone or a computer and the health reporter from NBC can set up a Zoom link and they can have a story turned around that quickly. So mm-hmm. uh, that has been fantastic. You know, for, from a PR perspective, I've never been busier. <laughs> Everyone's available all the time now. That's, that's the only problem. Right? Yeah, that's, that's the downside of it. Except for Danielle. Danielle, Danielle does cut <laughs> off. I know that. I know she- <laughs> um, so... My last question, and I don't know if you have any, Tom, was um, I'd like to ask, you know, three three things that you would like to share about, you know, healthcare marketing and tips for entrepreneurs. So going back a little bit to what we talked about before, early on, you have to think about marketing as a big piece of your business. You can't just run out with a great product and then expect people to know about it. So back to the website, make sure you have a good, clean website. It doesn't need to be 20 pages long, but it tells a good story. It looks good. It matches the quality of your product so that those folks, whether it's an investor or if it's a, a, you know, a surgeon that might try your device, looks at the website and says, okay, this they've got their, their act together. And then you have to think about the PR push when you start, when you launch your product. This When you launch at the beginning is the best opportunity to get that pickup and to get some organic marketing where someone else is talking about a great story. You can talk about it all day long, but until another publication picks it up and tells that story, whether it's a TV story or a website article, magazine article, that PR is really, really important. And then I would say the third thing is, is the social media. Figure out what channels work for you and maintain them because it's an efficient way to get an audience. You can get like-minded people, entrepreneurs, that believe in you, that will share your story. We've just seen the numbers grow over the last few months. You know, people who have not been on social media are now on social media. So, so take it seriously and and pick that channel. And, and there's some great young talent out there, especially looking for jobs. Uh, you can have someone who who might be a you know a marketing expert intern help you out with that sort of thing if you don't feel comfortable. But I would take those things: the website, the PR and the social media. And just remember, that's a big part of what you'll be launching. And when someone thinks about your product or hears about it, they'll go check those out before they give you a call. So you want them to match the quality of your product or service. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, How can people get in contact with you, Pete, if they um, want to? Sure. Check out the website, practicemarcom, M-A-R-C-O-M-M.com or always by email at pete at practicemarcom with two m's.com. 
And thanks a lot for having me on. Fun to talk with you guys last time. I was excited for this. So uh, fun to catch up again today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for listening. This podcast was co-produced by Danielle Sturm of the New England Medical Innovation Center and Tom Chiginski of myvoiceteam.com. Audio engineered by Tom Chiginski of myvoiceteam.com.